Heavenly Father, we pray that you would indeed open our minds so that we may understand your word. Father, we ask this for the glory of Jesus. Amen. I have a really bad habit whenever it comes to reading a book because I like to know how many pages I have left to read. So early on, I will flick through to the end to see the last page number to know how many pages there are in the book. Now, it's not a bad habit. It doesn't really matter if it's a book on theology or history or something like that. But there is a time when it does become a problem. Because every so often I like to read a thriller or a murder mystery type book. And there's always a danger if you turn to the last page that I might catch a glimpse of a spoiler. Perhaps the name of the culprit as they're bundled into the police car and taken away. Or the knowledge that a character must make it through to the end of the story. You see, very often the last page is the place where the whole story is understood. And sometimes not until then. And if you read the book through a second time, then you realise that there were hints the whole way through. But you only really get it at the very end. And in some ways, that's how it is with Luke's gospel. Having uh, experienced uh, the joy of Easter morning uh, last week and having walked the Emmaus Road uh, last Sunday evening, we now find ourselves in the upper room with the disciples as they discuss what has happened. The tomb has been empty. Uh, The women have seen uh, angels who have said that Jesus is risen. Jesus has appeared on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples. They have ran the seven miles back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples what they have seen. And then suddenly, Jesus appears in the room with them. While he is there with them, he explains to them what has happened in recent days. And it would be good if you have at the passage open, page 1062 in the Bible. And when you turn there, look with me at verse 44. Verse 44, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Everything that was written about Jesus had to be fulfilled. The script of his life had been written in advance. Sometimes it it emerges that one of the most famous lines from a movie wasn't in the original script. So if you've seen Titanic and you know the moment where Leonardo DiCaprio stands at the front of the ship and shouts, I'm the king of the world, he made that up on the spot. That wasn't in the script. 
or at the law from at the line from Jaws, which says you're going to need a bigger boat. That wasn't in the script either. The actor made that up as he went along. They were able to ad lib, to improvise, to make it up as they went along. But Jesus is saying that the script of his life had been written in advance and everything had to be fulfilled as it was written. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me. Now when Jesus speaks there in verse 44 about the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms, those are the three parts of the Old Testament scriptures. The scriptures together that laid out what Jesus did. That he lived in obedience to them so that everything would be just as they said. But that raises the question, why didn't the disciples realise in advance? How come they didn't understand that Jesus' death was happening in this way for this reason? Particularly given that Jesus had told them in advance that it was about to happen. How come they didn't get it? Why didn't they greet the first Good Friday as a good day the way that we do now? Well, it's because at that stage they didn't understand the scriptures. They didn't grasp what was happening. And so as Jesus teaches them, verse 45, as we've just prayed, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures, so that they could grasp it. Now, if the first disciples of Jesus needed God's help to read and to understand, then how much more do we? We need to come humbly, asking God to open our minds to receive his word, because we'll never understand it by our own power, under our own steam. Perhaps you've discovered that as you've tried to help someone else see why Jesus is so important. Uh, You've maybe shared a verse from the Bible, but they just don't seem to get it, even if it seems obvious to us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 that the God of this world, that, that the devil has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see. We need God's help to understand his word. So what was it then that must be fulfilled? Jesus gives us the three things that must be fulfilled beginning in verse 46. Look at it with me. This is what is written. The Christ will, number one, suffer. The sufferings of the Messiah are written in advance in the Old Testament throughout the Old Testament. So we read Isaiah 53 this morning. You could read Psalm 22 and you could read many other places. It's why in verse 39 when Jesus appears to them, Jesus says, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. The hands and the feet at the places on his body where the nails have pierced him. At the wounds of love are still to be seen there, permanent reminders of Jesus' love for us because Jesus really did suffer. He died on the cross 
as was written. But that's not all. It says, this is what is written, that Christ will, number two, rise from the dead on the third day. Jesus did not stay dead. The scriptures had promised that the Messiah would rise on the third day. So you could look at Psalm 16 or Hosea 6, as well as Isaiah 53, which had that promise of, of glory after the suffering, and Psalm 22 again. And in the first part of our reading this morning, Jesus goes to great pains to make them absolutely certain that he is risen from the dead, that he is alive, that he is raised bodily. And so he invites them to touch him, to see his hands and his feet. And because they still wonder and disbelieve for joy, he even eats some cooked fish. He's making the point again and again and again that this isn't just a spirit, that Jesus isn't now a ghost. He's not a friendly ghost like Casper. Jesus is raised bodily. Uh, risen from the dead, just as it was written beforehand in the scriptures. Now you might be thinking to yourself, that's a great ending to uh, this book. Uh, There's only a few verses left. uh, And so uh, we see that Jesus is the Christ, he's the Messiah, he's the long-promised king. uh, And that's nice. Uh, But notice that he hasn't finished yet. There are three things that the scripture said must happen. Number one, suffer. Number two, rise. Number three, verse 47, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Because Jesus is the Christ, Because he suffered death and rose again, he is the one who brings forgiveness of sins. It's there in his words of greeting in verse 36 at the very top of the page. He says, peace be with you. In a world that is lacking peace to people who are in guilt and shame of sin. Remember that these are the very disciples who had, you know, just a few days before had deserted Jesus. And Peter even denied knowing him. But Jesus comes to this ragtag bunch of, of failures and brings them peace. Peace with God. Peace with one another. And Jesus says this peace is now to be spread as repentance, that turning away from sin and forgiveness of our sins is preached. Whenever I was growing up in Dromore, one of the big employers in the town was John Graham of Dromore. They do all sorts of building roads and buildings and all sorts of things. You might even have seen their distinctive green vans on the road. They used to be a really horrible shade of green. Now they're John Graham of Dromore in Hillsborough. But uh, anyway, but if you were to ring up their office and ask to speak to John Graham, 
You wouldn't be able to do that. Because he died in the 1800s. But for the past couple of hundred years, they have been building buildings and building roads in his name. They've been carrying on the work that he started in his name. Now John Graham is dead. But it's the risen, living Lord Jesus who sends the first disciples to do the same thing, to act in his name, to do the final thing written of him on his behalf. You see, from their starting point of Jerusalem, they are to go to all nations, proclaiming repentance and forgiveness of sin. Because he says, verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. Look back at verse 39 for a moment. What is the word that is repeated? The word that jumps out. What are they to do? They're to see. So the first word, look, uh, is actually see in the original. Uh, look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see. I have. So if that look was, was see as well, I've never really seen that before. But it's a bit like uh, that children's rhyme. Do you know the one? A sailor went to? See, 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 too. He could see, see, see. Yes. The disciples see Jesus. They are witnesses of his death, his hands and his feet. They are witnesses of his resurrection and of the forgiveness that comes through Jesus. They've experienced that themselves. And now they are sent out to all nations, but not until they have been clothed with power, and not until the Holy Spirit has come upon them. We come to the very end of Luke's Gospel, but we discover that the story isn't over. Rather, it's only just beginning. You see, Luke has written another book, The continuing story of what Jesus does, how the proclamation begins to be made in the Acts of the Apostles. And later on in May, we'll launch into that, uh, into the opening chapters to see how uh, the story continues. But even when Acts comes to an end, when that story comes to an end, uh, the story hasn't finished. And that's where we come in, where you and I, are called to be part of this story. Jesus, the Christ, continues to send us out to act in his name, to proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins, both here in this village, but also right across the world. Jesus has done all that is necessary for peace with him. He empowers us with the Holy Spirit. And our task is to point 
to Jesus. Having met with the risen Jesus, the disciples would never be the same again. So how will we step out in obedience to share this good news? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you that Jesus is the long-promised Saviour. We thank you that he has fulfilled all that is necessary. We thank you that he calls us, first of all, to meet him in repentance and faith, and then calls us to his service. Father, we pray that you would show us the people and the places this week where we can tell people about Jesus. We pray that you would continue to open our minds to understand what we read and open our mouths to share it. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.